Hey, Jean-Francois, how are you doing? Pretty good. Okay, then what was your first computer? It was, uh, uh, I think it was a TRS-80 from Radio Shack. This is interesting. And and, uh, um, why you got it? You wanted to program something or play games or what was the story? Actually, my father was uh, uh, a teacher at school and uh, he... He decided he wanted to become like a computer science teacher, so he bought that. He was uh, mostly working in uh, in physics, but he mm-hmm. decided to, to to switch to computer. So he he bought a TRS eighty, and after he bought um, Commodore sixty four. How old were you back then? Fifty two. Back then, you? Oh, mo, back then. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like was... this is your first computer was 52 it's like okay and you're still alive <laughs> uh, i was uh i was probably 12 12 or 13 max oh cool and you play games or you or, or you wanted to know to to program from the one so i of course at first i wanted to play games but then mm-hmm. he my father came with uh i think there was a programming language called turtle something like that logo yeah exactly exactly Logo is the turtles where you can move the turtle around, right? Exactly. So that, rotate that left, right, hard. go, and s- exactly. Yeah. So that was the first one, and then he tried to convince me to learn basic, but I didn't mm-hmm. have any interest of coding at that time. Mm-hmm. I was more interested about mathematics than uh, than you know coding the things. Oh really? Yeah. That's interesting. So, uh, so what you did with mathematics in the computer? No, I, I was more interested about writing algorithm. Like I was trying to understand, uh, you know, or optimize. Any any time I was seeing something on the computer, I was trying to understand it, and mm-hmm. you know, what what was the algorithm behind behind that. So every time I was able to let's say see some source code of a game, I was not interested to build the game, but I was interested to see how they did it. That's interesting. Yeah, but for me it was similar. Not not necessarily algorithm. I was really curious how they build it, and for, and for me it was more almost like you know alien technology. For me it was like it's unachievable, you know, to to do something like a game. So for me it was like unexplainable. So this was my impression of that back then. Okay, so what what was your next step? So you didn't like basics. You you got C sixty four. Yeah, but after that I completely. Uh last passion uh, with computers so it took me a while at, le- at least I, I, I because I went to university so okay of course I had like an IBM you know at home we so we upgraded to it I don't remember what, what what was it but you know it was it wasn't used you really helpful to play games on it I, I, I lost actually I, I lost like the the interest to to play games so mm-hmm. until I went to university because I did my my bachelor in uh, pure mathematic. Okay. So uh, was it hard? It was pretty hard. Yes. Okay. Pretty hard. I had a I had the first year was like the most difficult years in my life in terms of uh, going to school and you know not performing. It was just you know I had to uh, to make sure my mind was set up for thinking mathematics. So uh, you know before 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 university it was pretty easy let's say at school. But mm-hmm. uh, when I you know, pure mathematics, that was something really hard. Why it was hard? I mean, what was, you know, the difficulty to do to, to, to back then? For me, I think it was like the, it's so uh, large in terms of, uh, of science. So you never hit, you know, you always mm-hmm. have something to learn. And I was able, I wasn't able to restrict myself to focus on just, you know, let's, let's, let's focus on this course. So I was always mm-hmm. curious to see more. And that didn't help me actually, because instead of studying the right thing, I was studying the right thing, but not enough. So like, I wanted to have like a global uh, understanding of everything. And of course it didn't work. So it didn't work at school, but it has helped me after that when I have started working, you know, in, in, in company because, uh, or yeah, started working because I had like, a, uh, I was able to understand, you know, the overall let's say of, of a problem instead of mm-hmm. just small pieces okay where well, you started in uh, somewhere in california no actually i'm based in montreal and the school i was uh we were having like the opportunity to you know work uh four months and go to school eight months and then mm-hmm. alternate four months at school four months 
uh, working and I started working as a, in uh, with an artificial neural network but Whoa. yo but back in 1990 so uh, so that was uh, that was nice actually but this is uh, lots of uh, metrics calculations back then right so it was yeah. like uh, you are you know the outputs so you're modifying the matrices in order to you know to meet the output right this was how, how it exactly again. exactly that was pretty co close to do like a differential equation so mm -hmm. that was complex com complex differential equation yeah but it was like training uh training the uh, the artificial neural network exactly like like you just said and it was taking like long long time for training uh, mm -hmm. training those because we didn't have the computer for uh, for them mm -hmm. and and what, why you did it? So what you did with the um, with the neural neural network? So you try you know to recognize text or what was you know the the goal of that? Yes, I was working in a research center actually. So the goal we were trying to do is to uh, adapt user interface based on mm -hmm. what the user is doing. So it was an early stage of, of of the research on that. Mm -hmm. So we were trying to to come with uh, uh, something yeah something that could learn from from the user and actually we were. In, in this research center, there was something really interesting that was uh, created. It was like a naptic uh, mouse. You know, at the time, it, no, mm -hmm. nobody was using that. Mm -hmm. So where you, you were, we were able to get like force feedback. So we, we wrote, I wrote a couple of uh, artificial, I, I, yeah, I, I wrote a couple of artificial network that was helping, you know, the uh, haptic mouse to, uh, to adapt in, uh, in some situations. So haptic mouse is like a force feedback. What was yeah, like a exactly. joystick back it's then? A force feedback, okay. Yeah, yeah so it was um, before. Mm -hmm. I actually, the guy that created that in the research center, he sold his license to Sony. Uh, after that, so they created like that's why like uh, PlayStation and all that stuff. He oh. he got the the idea, or at least he got the patent. So I worked okay. with him uh, on that. This is also what's uh, knowing the. Um, Apple hardware, right? So it's a touchpad. It's also feedback. So it's right. like it is not a real, you know, click. It is simulated somehow. Yeah, yeah. Interesting st stuff you did. So, um, so what happens then? So yeah. So I was. So I started my master in actually in artificial neural neural network. But I got. Uh, I was working in a research center, and uh, in the same research center, one guy came one day, and he has a something really strange called Java. So he was having like one of the first version of the GVM mm -hmm. he, and he showed me that. And mm -hmm. I was really interested by, by that. But at the time I got, I've got an offer to, uh, to move to France to work with, mm -hmm. uh, with an AI team there in France. Mm -hmm. So, but I have bring the GVM with me or the, it was really at the early stage of Java, but I decided that I would write my artificial neural network in Java instead of C++. So okay. this is how actually I've started working uh, with Java. So that was the, the idea. What I remember, there was an, a book about uh, neural networks in Java. It was roughly 1997, 1998. And in this book was uh, text recognition. So this is, uh, I tried to find the book, but I couldn't. So uh, it was uh, it is working, you know, uh, character recognition, written completely in Java, and it actually worked. And this was like 1997, 1998, um, and uh, yeah, it's incredible what was possible back then. Yeah. So I, I actually I, this is during that time that I was that I was implementing uh, because the guys, the team that I was, they were working with Prolog at the time. Mm -hmm. Like they have an angel, an engine based rule or rule based engine, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they wanted to replace it with. Uh, with neural network so uh so this is what i did for maybe two years mm -hmm. then i came back to canada what was your personal goal because i mean were you fascinated by neural networks would you like you wanted to i don't know create a, a real ai so what was your drive back then so what was your motivation at least it's it, it, it shifted when i was there so first i was interested by by, by a neural network but then i started be, be being really interested by the uh, Java programming language. So I wanted to okay. learn about it and I wanted to build, you know, other stuff. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, like I saw Swing coming, stuff like that. It was so easier than what I did, let's say, with, uh, with, uh, with, with Visual Studio and C++ back in time. Because mm -hmm. I didn't do Visual Basic. I, we were building a you new know, UI with C++. That was 
so hard, at least for me, that were coming with a mathematical background. So I was interested by that in, ja in Java. And at the time, it was really difficult to find, uh, let's say, an AI uh, job, daily job, because you had to work in research, you had to do like a master and PhD. And uh, I didn't want to do that. At one point in time, I decided that I, was, I wasn't interested to do that. So that's why I came back actually from France to Canada. But I wasn't here a long time because this is when I got uh, hired by Sun Microsystem actually. So they were interested by the background that I had, that what I did with, with Java. So when I uh, got uh, hired to work in the enterprise Java Bean team at Sun. But how they found you? So I went to a conference to Java One actually. Oh, okay, one. Well, wait, which one? Which nineteen ninety eight? Okay, uh, and, very early. Uh, was it the I, first one? I think it. No, I'm not sure if it was the first one or the second one. Okay. And I've met with uh, with a guy that was I forget his name actually. So he 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 wasn't the AGB spec lead, but he was. I think he was the manager of that team. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was giving a presentation, so I went to see him after that and asked a couple of questions. And then he he said, "Hey, where, would you would you be interested to work at Sun?" And I was like, "Maybe," but mm -hmm. uh, it ended that uh, I moved to Silicon Valley at that time, okay. uh, just for just for Sun Microsoft. You know, it was during the the boom, so yeah. they were uh, easy on uh, like buying everything you have at in in Montreal and uh, move me there. So, uh, yeah, so this is how I ended up at, at Sun. Mm -hmm. And uh, how was the experience? So, you know, the first years at Sun, you enjoyed that? or? So at the beginning, it was really difficult because first I wasn't speaking English very well. I was, you know, I was able to understand people, but there are so many culture there. So it mm -hmm. was really difficult to understand, mm -hmm. you know. You have to listen carefully about what people were saying. And, uh, but, uh, but no, the first year was difficult in, because I got, uh, I was starting like really low in the hierarchy. So sometimes it was frustrating because, you know, you don't have any uh, mm -hmm. decision, decision. Mm -hmm. you, you can decide actually. So everything is given to you. So mm -hmm. it took me, it took two years before uh, actually I, uh, but I wanted to do like some open source at that time as well. Okay. So I did a lot of, first I did a lot of uh, work with the EGB team, then the security team. And then I was interested by Tomcat. And at the time, you know, there were some Sun folks, they were fighting each other mm -hmm. on Tomcat publicly. So I was like kind of interested to uh, to work, to, to be part of a, a team like that, uh, you know, because everything was open. I I, I I was interested about the open openness of, uh, of you know, working for, you know, on, on, on an Apache project, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So I ended up, uh, they were uh, opening a, opening a position in Tomcat. So I, I ended up in the Tomcat team at Sun mm -hmm. and started working on Tomcat. So that, 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 this is when actually I started working with open source. Interesting. Um, so at EJB, you started with 1.0, I guess, right? Yeah, it was even before 1.0, like they, before they have released 1.0. Yeah. The interesting part with EGB 1.0 was that, uh, you know, the entire configuration was actually based on Java classes. This was like a DSL, right? And then later, because of the XML hype, then they introduced the XML deployment descriptors. But it started with, you know, Java classes, which was interesting. Which There was even a tool where which with you could serialize the Java classes and deserialize them, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. and you remember, you know, when Scott McNeely was announcing like Java support XML. So it was like a major announcement at Java 1. Yeah. I'm still laughing about that. Yeah. And, and and Scott McNeely, and there was a book. This was an evil book, you know, from O'Reilly. White book like Java and XML. And after this book, you know, it was like crazy. So I, will, I, I went back to Europe, Germany, and uh, some people try, you know, to store XML in databases without a reason. I, I mean, you know, in, in rows, in a table, the entire XML, which didn't make any sense. But, um, yeah, this was like uh, overhyped, yeah, a, a yeah. bit. Yeah. Interesting because um you switched to Tomcat, which I remember Java One two thousand, there was a presentation about Tomcat by a very energetic guy. Maybe it was you even. I, I remember you no know, the guy was you know running around and sitting on the table and who was really 
very energetic. So um, about Tomcat and uh, Project Adelard, and the Tomcat was called Sun Java Server Development Kit, something like this, right? Java 2 Web Service JW, J2W SDK or something like this, right? Yeah, if I, uh, yeah it's, it has been a while, but it wasn't, yeah, yeah. it wasn't me at Java 1 2000. So I, I started in 2005 of giving talk at Java 1. So. Ah, okay. But this was the, uh, I remember uh, this, this, the, the session because it was really interesting. And I think it was also a French guy. I don't know, but he was a really energetic and a sporty guy, you know, running and bouncing around and, and <laughs> talking about Tomcat. So this is what I remember. Uh-huh. And um, so then you switch from EJB. And how was your experience at the EJB team? So it was like, you know, crazy or, I don't know, uh, Ivory Tower or what, what was it? No, it was it was nice. It was a nice teams to work on, but the technology was not so nice actually. Mm-hmm. So and testing that was horrible. So testing that testing that and uh, and we it, it, you know the Tomcat was more interesting because it was really working. We were working for something that went into production. Mm-hmm. When I was working on EGB, that was the uh, reference implementation actually because you mm-hmm. know since Sun licensee they had to mm-hmm. pay for it and we were giving them. The, uh, the RI. So that wasn't that really motivating actually, because so how many, may, maybe like maybe 15 or 16 customers that were using the RI mm-hmm. or it, mm-hmm. they were inspired by it. So that was, that was not, yeah, that wasn't it. Yeah. The RI, this was the UI, Swing UI, which I had to use the reference implementation at uh, some courses. You know, there was like on the Swing app where it, uh, you know, it compiled everything and, and deployed which, uh, yeah, this is uh, what we had to you. And this was actually the beginnings of Glassfish, right? DRI. Yeah, actually, it was the foundation for Glassfish, yes. But uh, yeah. we also, a couple of years later, we bought Netscape, you know, mm-hmm. with AOL. And we, and mm-hmm. we, we got their, uh, their, uh, their server-side component as well and their web server as mm-hmm. well from it. So, so uh, Glassfish was a, was a mix of both, actually. It was, mm-hmm. a, you know, because at the beginning at, in Glassfish, uh, no, it was in Sun, Sun, where I, I don't remember the name, but we were having like the, the front end, the, the, the web server was written in C. That was the old Netscape suite mm-hmm. spot or something mm-hmm. like that. Suit spot. Uh, exactly. Net, Netscape yeah. suit spot. Yeah. You know what, what funny, a company, um, in Europe, uh, they hired me to migrate from Netscape server-side JavaScript to Java because back then no one wanted to have JavaScript. They say, okay, it doesn't run. It is crazy on the <laughs> server. It, there's no future. So they uh, they uh, asked me and there was like two-year project to migrate from JavaScript to Java. This was uh, interesting, yeah. Yeah. Also based on Netscape uh, backend. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you started with um, with Tomcat at Sun Microsystems. And uh, and you were also involved with Glassfish, or how how long you spent with uh, with Tomcat? So actually, I worked. I was working on Tomcat, and then uh, we decided that uh, we wanted to remove the web, the C runtime, the web server mm-hmm. uh, in in the Sun Java server because the, the, this this thing changed names so many often. So that's why because at one point in time it was called iPlanet. You know there were a lot of so, but actually so. Just before uh, we, we push out Glassfish, we decided to remove the C part. And this is where I created Grizzly, actually. And the first time, the first drop of Grizzly was for Tomcat, actually. I was uh, ready to push it to the uh, open source and, you know, give it to, oh, wow. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you still have it. Yeah. So. Uh, Why the name Grizzly? Because the, uh, the the connector in Tomcat was called Coyote. Uh-huh. So, uh, so in Tomcat, they, it's like a, a native Amerindian uh, way of naming stuff. So Coyote, but it's also an animal. So uh-huh. I decided I would, uh, I would like do a kind of a joke. It was kind of a joke at the beginning and call it like a, a grizzly. So that's, okay. that's mostly when, when, when it comes. And then... Yeah, like I said, I was trying to push that to the open source, but the Tomcat commenter didn't want to have it. Uh, they were saying it's not, you know, NIO, it's not ready, it's not fast enough. That was, that part of it was 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 true because you no know, NIO on, I think it was Java 2, it wasn't stable at all. But when I started working on it, I was closely uh, working with the NIO team at Sun. Mm-hmm. So my all the bugs that I was finding were fixed 
pretty fast. Mm -hmm. So that's why we ended up, uh, so Tomcat rejected the NIO connector. So we ended up uh, forking Tomcat and creating uh, at the same time Glassfish. Mm -hmm. So when Glassfish went out, Glassfish 1.0 went out. So it was with Grizzly enabled by default. Oh, and I thought that the Grizzly came later. So uh, uh, with the asynchronous uh, I.O., Highly scalable. Because I uh, watched your talk at Java 1 about how you did it with NIO. And I remember with uh, resource leaks and stuff like that, where I got to know the blue t-shirts with Grizzly, which I still have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, what I also remember uh, reading your blogs, and you had actually some pictures of Grizzlies on your blog. So I, th I thought, you know, uh, you like Grizzlies because you're from Canada. This was this was my, uh, my expectation. But um, yeah, so this is... Um, you seem to be a nature guy, like, right? Yes. Yes, still. Yeah, but we're, we're, we don't have any grizzly in, in Quebec. So they are mostly on the West Coast in okay. Canada. So we only have like uh, black bear here. So they're less dangerous, let's say. But you saw you saw a grizzly in nature? or No, I never, I never. I saw a lot of black bear, but not, not okay. a grizzly. Yeah. yeah. So and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still living. Uh, I'm not living in Montreal. Actually. I'm living in the north. Like, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, in, in, in a really small... Uh, cities where uh, yeah there is more forest than people oh very good so. really nice um okay so w this is new to me that the glassfish v1 had already nio support I, I thought actually that it really you know started with the atmosphere and all the stuff in v3 but uh so um so was glassfish v1 already highly scalable yeah, yeah, we were. I, I, I did at that time publish some numbers. Some mm -hmm. it's always con controversial to publish numbers, but I was mm -hmm. comparing with with Tomcat, and at that time we were faster than than Tomcat in many in many mm -hmm. tests. But of course, you know, back in time, the Tomcat team came back and said, "No, that's not true. You haven't tested this and this." But we were getting the long short story to say we were getting pretty impressive number because we had a performance team that was working with us. Mm -hmm. on Grizzly and uh, we did release it and uh, we that's why Glassfish went you know went with it yeah uh, but Grizzly was also standalone web server right you could use Grizzly right, standalone right. Mm -hmm. but after that we, we, because the, after that a lot of people were asking can we use Grizzly to write uh, like small web servers so mm -hmm. this is when actually I've started uh, I've changed a little bit the API and open it to the to the public and this is when Grizzly became it's uh, a standalone project on Java.net. And this is where it went. Yeah, there were small uh, Grizzly run, uh, web server and uh, like an NIO right now. It was, at the beginning, it was Grizzly. They were true and I, two NIO framework versus mm -hmm. Mina that Trustin had, mm -hmm. were, was working on it. And then he created Netty just, you know, a couple of years after. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and yeah, he, he, a great, he had a great success with with Netty, but I, at that time I, I was no longer. Oh, you, you, you said he. Who was it? It's Justin Lee. So he. Ah, he, Justin he, Lee. I, ah, exactly. Yeah. So Justin wrote uh, Netty. So I have. I, I had a couple of good uh, email exchange with him. So we were having fun with NIO, both of us. So, uh, but then it, when I, I was working on the web server, this is when the comet things in the asynchronous uh, web started uh, to mm -hmm. become popular. And this is where I wrote Grizzly Comet. And this mm -hmm. is actually was the beginning where I was seeing a lot of people using Jetty, a lot of people using Tomcat AIO at mm -hmm. that time. So everybody was having their own API. So that's when I came with the atmosphere idea, actually. Mm -hmm. So what Comet is for the listeners is just a long, a long polling. Uh, so what you are doing, you are blocking connection on the server. If you have something to, to say, you release the connection and the data pushes to the client and the client just opens the new connection, which is blocked again, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that mm -hmm. was, so there, were, there was a long polling stuff and we were able to do like some streaming as well. So mm -hmm. you open the connection and you, yeah, that was the predecessor of website yet. You mm -hmm. were uh, leaving the, the, the connection open forever and you were uh, using a transfer, uh, chunk encoding to send back uh, some uh, uh, the payload back to the browser. But it was a challenge to support uh, like Internet Explorer at that time because yeah, not, not uh, like many other technology, every, nothing was working with Internet Explorer. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but yes, so that was, uh, so we, we, we I, I did like long polling, 
streaming and, and later server sent event as well. But Microsoft never implemented that in their browser. So again, we were like, you know, limited by, uh, by mostly the most popular transport that was used was uh, long polling. And I still, yeah. it's still, it's still. Yeah. Back then I created another project called Tunguska uh, because uh, this was like Comet or something different, you know, no one knew what it is. And what it was is a thin layer around atmosphere uh, based on, it was on Kenai, I think, the platform from Sun. And I integrated it with Java E because of my project with Java E. So we use it on Glassfish and I performed some performance metrics for a project and it was incredible. I remember having several thousand opens connections without any impact on memory. This was the, the impressive part. And the also impressive was, so you you uh, there was like mod JK back then, so it's like uh-huh. connected to Apache. But uh, what could happen is that your the HTTP server died, but Glassfish was still alive because it couldn't handle so many you know open connections. But for Glassfish was not a problem, which was impressive. So I would say you no. Know, many people said you no. Know, Glassfish was uh, heavyweight because of Java E, which was not true at all. I mean, this was uh, all the components were actually pretty small. And yeah. uh, it scaled uh, very well. Yeah, but when when we came with uh, Glassfish V3, you know, it was like a, a micro kernel as mm-hmm. well. H2K, mm-hmm. if I remember the name. Yeah. At that time, so you were able to install only the module that you wanted to uh, to use. So that yeah. was it was impressive. You know, at the time that they were, I think we were the only one doing that. So uh, that was impressive. Yeah. And there was a you know the the t-shirt uh, Java minus jar Glassfish dot jar. You know, this was the Java 1 t-shirt that they were able to put it. But I have to admit, I didn't like the uh, V3 experience because um, in my projects, we always needed almost everything. So we know we need the admin console and we need, you know, the EJB container and sublet container. And with the V3, it was very fast startup. But if you needed the the admin console, it took, I don't know, two or three seconds until it booted. And for me, it was better to hardwire everything and start at once then wait for lazy loading all the components. So for me, it was pointless. But I understand that for the team who built Glassfish, it's a big deal because it's almost like you know, microservices inside the server. So you could have many yeah. uh, independent parts. And and funny thing is, I remember still that the entire AGB container was 600K uh, kilobyte. So people said, oh, because if the V3 came out, so I got lots of project requests. People ask me, you know, can you just create for us a, thin glass fish without JSF, maybe without EJB. So, so sure, we can do this. But if you remove, you know, the three uh, jars, you will save maybe three megs. So who cares about that? So this is uh, this was interesting back then. Yeah. So you worked on the Glassfish team. So, and so what happened after... So you created Atmosphere Framework, which was, I would say, very popular, right? Yeah, actually, it's it's the, the, the impressive part is still popular. So I still have pull requests. I still have people using it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, because uh, because I I left Sun in two thousand nine and uh, and Atmosphere was already uh, open source under the Apache license back then, mm-hmm. but uh, it was only the backend. So it took me uh, it took me two years to to wrote the to wrote the front end, you know, the the JavaScript library that was allowing you. Because I I thought at the beginning that people will use Atmosphere and write their own JavaScript. But that mm-hmm. was a, that was a mistake. Actually, people wanted to have like like Socket.io. They wanted to mm-hmm. have like same so, same sort of uh, library, JavaScript library that they can use. Mm-hmm. So uh, so, but back then I worked with uh, like three startup in a row. Uh, I worked with Sanatype. I worked with Ning, and uh, the the last one was Word Nick. So I was working with the creator of Swagger actually. Okay. So and that was interesting because I was spending fifty percent of my time on Swagger and fifty percent of Atmosphere on Atmosphere. So that company they were really financing me like finish and release Atmosphere one one dot zero. So uh, and then it's it started to I, I got overwhelmed by uh, by customer requests uh, on Atmosphere and people wanted to have uh, support for it as well. I had a, a couple of customer in Berlin actually, so I went okay. there. Several times, and uh, so, de- so 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 at that time, I decided to build a company around Atmosphere and just like uh, support my customers. So I did that. I still have that company. I still do it. What's the name of the company? So it's Async IO. Async IO, okay. Yeah. So uh, and uh, but of course, uh, over the years, 
I have less and less customer, but I have spent, you know, I would say since 2015, I mm -hmm. didn't do like major uh, work on Atmosphere. So I'm supporting it. Like recently I, I added support for Jakarta EE, stuff mm -hmm. like that, but it's pretty, it, it's pretty stable. So, so people just use it and mm -hmm. do so some pull request on it and I just maintain it. Uh, but okay. it's, still, it's still in use. What's the relation between um, uh, Grizzly and Atmosphere? So mainly, uh, I was able to run Atmosphere on top of Grizzly. So I was abstracting or, uh, or unifying the, uh, the uh, async API that was there in Grizzly. You know, into, uh, a, actually, I, it's like I wrote a spec uh, to, on how to uh, do async application uh, uh, on, on top of any Java web server. So that was, mm -hmm. uh, that includes like something like Vertex at the time, Play mm -hmm. Framework. So that was a layer on top of it that I was abstracting, you know, what they were supporting with, uh, with, with, uh, with, in terms of async API. And I was building my own on top of that. So what I did with Grizzly is I had customer. It was the, the async API in Grizzly was called Grizzly Comet. I had customer there, but it was a limited set of customers. I wanted to have more customer, more users. So that's why I wrote something on top of that, that I was able to have like, uh, so you write, you write an application against Atmosphere and it runs everywhere. So it mm -hmm. will use whatever is, uh, is available. Because at that time, some web server didn't, didn't even have like, didn't support uh, uh, async uh, communication. Like for example, WebSphere. So I was, I was, in order to to have atmosphere in, inside WebSphere, I needed to have a, a blocking connection all the time, and uh, and you know, kind of a fake or yeah. asynchronicity. So, mm -hmm. have ever Sun asked you to implement a JSR Java specification request for for your atmosphere? I mean, because this is almost like an API, right? Right. No, I I left Sun just before they asked. So, uh, ah, okay. But I was part of the of GS of the GSR uh, three fifty six, I guess, on the WebSocket one. Oh, okay. And uh, I was also working with the W three C team on that uh, on 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 the WebSocket specification. And why you left Sun? So I think it was it was that it was just before Oracle was about to uh, okay to, to and I didn't want to work for Oracle, so mm -hmm. I had many friends working there. It wasn't interested. I wasn't interested and I knew that it would have been like, uh, uh, working with, uh, because they, 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 they have bought web logic a couple of months yeah. ago. So they were like an integration things, you know, it wasn't interesting mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I guess the people that were uh, in the Java SC team, mm -hmm. they had, they continued to work at Sun uh, at Oracle because you know, not a lot of things has changed, but for mm -hmm. us, we knew that, uh, that it would be like, uh, yeah, it, it 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 I wasn't interested. Mm -hmm. By the way, a uh, different topic, but um, the there is a small revival of glassfish. So the, there were some people who um, called Omnifish. This is you no know, earlier Jakarta E and Java E committers. So they, they now uh, patching glassfish like crazy and provide commercial support support around the 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 open source portion of glassfish. In addition to Payara, of course. So we have Payara and with glassfish who is actually doing well. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. nice to know. Yeah. And um, so you, you spent some time in Sonotype, async IO, and what happened then? So, man, you... right. I, I, after that, I decided to uh, so I just to start uh, a company with with one of my friends. Uh, we were trying to build uh, betting games. Oh. Uh, so hockey, it was more it was for uh, hockey and 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 football. But uh, mainly, what it was is uh, we were using WebSocket. And mm -hmm. uh, you have like uh, an app that was running on uh, Android or, or iOS, mm -hmm. and you can follow a game uh, real time, mm -hmm. like a, a, any sports game real time. And you were doing your prediction before before the match began, and then you uh, with friends you can like like challenge your friends, and, and the winner was was, uh, was the winning prize at the end. So we I did that for three years. I so we we win a couple of uh, of. Uh, of contests, we were raising money, but not mm -hmm. enough to keep the the app uh, the app uh, alive mm -hmm. because we were we were really uh, betting on the uh, Montreal Abs in hockey. So that team is really really popular, the Canadian, 
But over those years, they were pretty bad, actually. So they, they never did the playoffs. So we were losing revenue because of that. Okay. Uh, and they were pretty bad for three years, exactly the time we had the, the company. You could train them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so uh, we try with a couple of cities in, in, in US, you know, investing in marketing. So, but mm -hmm. it, it, no, we didn't have enough, enough money. Mm -hmm. But that was really interesting in terms of, uh, of the technology because... This is where, so the backend was built uh, in, in Java with a mm -hmm. lot of injection. You know, we were using best of the best of the technology that was available at that time. And we were using Atmosphere as well. So what you so, used to, what was the technology stack? And what was it, 2015? Uh, to, yes, exactly. So we're using uh, Netty. We're mm -hmm. running Atmosphere directly on top of Netty. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we were using... Uh, uh, they were, I don't recall that. They were a really, at that time, they were, somebody was just releasing uh, uh, a, a dependency injection library, but really, really small, you know, not... Juice? No, it wasn't, it wasn't Google, it wasn't Spring, it was like nobody, uh, like a guy somewhere in uh, in, in okay. Europe, but I really liked his uh, his library, so I was using that, I was able to, it was smaller was than... Was it Dagger? Dagger? Uh, no, Dagger was built on top of, was using juice on under the hood i suspect okay. let me i think it was called uh no i don't recall i i i, I could find i can find it but uh do you have to add to show notes this is you know this is now curious yeah and uh so that i was we were using that and we we're using react native on the client side so okay. react native was really really new mm -hmm. uh, at that time as well but we were able to build an app that was running on both android and uh and ios and we we're using websocket uh, in between, so that was at first people were were telling us it will not work because of uh, you know proxies and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But uh, but that was at the time that Slack was started being used as well, and Slack was using WebSockets. I was really confident that if Slack works, uh, our app will work as well. So and were there any problems with proxies and firewalls and stuff like no, that? No, at, at the, earlier, you know, back early two thousand ten when WebSocket was like beginning a lot mm -hmm. of people were having trouble but after mm -hmm. that no i never had people uh, of course if the firewall is blocking the connection yeah. what bucket or not it's not working so uh so yeah i did that until 2000 how scalable was the application so do you have some numbers so maybe there was some peaks so how many connections you could handle by per jvm let's say no there was, we were having a lot actually so it was like uh, more, more than twenty-five thousand some night you know depending on the game Mm -hmm. So because every time they, they were a goal, people were connecting. You know, some of them, they were live, you know, for, for the, all the time. But some of them, they didn't look at the app. So they were watching the real game. But when they were a goal, everybody mm -hmm. was coming at the same time. Okay. So we were able to scale. We, we built, uh, we're using Kafka to uh, okay. change messages between, between instance, mm -hmm. uh, uh, backend instance at the time. Uh, Kafka was pretty new as well, but it was it was a uh, because we were deploying on AWS, so that was uh, was, it was it EC2, nice EC2, I guess, right? Yeah, EC2, yeah, EC2. How many how many EC2 machines did you have back then? So between five and ten, you know, but like I said, okay. it's really, yeah, it was really depending on where the game was, mm -hmm. and uh, and because all the games are not at the same time as well. Sometimes it's like six games mm -hmm. at the same time, so mm -hmm. that put you know, uh, a chart on, on, on our server, but you have the East Coast and the West Coast. So West Coast, they were playing late. Mm -hmm. So we were able to distribute the, the load during the night. I assumed it was a network lo load balancer, right? Use the NLB, not yeah. ALB. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Exactly. Interesting architecture. So, okay, well, yeah, it, it didn't work out from for economical reasons, but it's, it worked well from, from technical perspective, right? Yes, yes. And for uh, and for the with I, I'm still working with three of the people that that uh, I was with you know that was working with the I was working with them back time they're working with Metrio with me right now so uh, okay by the way your first name is Jean Francois is this pronounced yeah. perfectly perfectly and uh, last name is Arcan Arcan yeah. okay yeah. Arcan or Arcan Arcan say it Arcan yes very good so um. Jean-Francois Jean Arcan. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So, perfect. So um, what happened after after this? What was the name of the company, if you can say it? Yeah, it's, it was called Uplay. 
you play, okay? Yeah. So, but no, I don't think they there. We, we don't have anything, any, any website or things like that alive. We're still no. we have the GitHub repository. So, okay. Yeah. So, what happened afterwards? So afterwards, I uh, because of my background uh, in in Java, but also in AI uh, in AI. So I got there were a, a small startup in in uh, in Montreal called Element AI. Mm-hmm. So they were looking for uh, a chief architect actually, and uh, and they pinged me like me for months, and I was saying they, they they weren't allowing people working from home. So I was like, no way, I'm gonna work at Element AI because I'm mostly working from home for since I left since I uh, I moved back from California in 2002. So uh, so I'm used to work from home. So. They didn't have any any uh, politics, you know, letting people working from home. So, but at at one point in time in in uh, 2018, not 18, two, yes, 2018. So they they changed the politics and they asked me if I wanted to to join. But that was interesting because at that time I was almost signing to join uh, Spring Springs. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the name of the Pivotal, right? Exactly to join Pivotal. And uh, and also I was also discussing with uh, with Apple about uh, working on the on the Netty framework. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it didn't work with Apple. It didn't work with Apple. I went there and I it didn't work during the day. They, like the people, I, I wasn't. Uh, I think I was for them. I wasn't good enough, so I was like kind of surprised about that. But uh, so it didn't work. It didn't work. But anyway. I had this uh, Element AI offer that I wanted to uh, mm-hmm. to see what what I will have, what I will do there, and then I started with the company. And uh, at one point in time, we were like more than five hundred people working wow. on AI. But uh, what was the goal at the AI? Uh, they were th- th- that was the problem of the company. So they were AI everywhere. So every place that you can have AI, they were trying to have like leads from it. So we were having like a, a, a group of people that were knowing pretty well uh, all sorts of, of AI, but productizing AI, it's really difficult. You know, that's something to write paper and write a model, but putting a model, an AI model in production, that's another story, you know, making sure that it scale, making sure that the cost is, uh, is it's not too high because you're using too many GPU. So that was the the, te- the technical challenge there was really high, but uh, but at one point in time I saw that you know the company was uh, was having trouble. It was they they, they didn't have uh, a vision mm-hmm. and stick to the vision, so they were having like too too many vision. Let's call it like that. Mm-hmm. So and uh, and at that time I have got that offer to become the uh, CTO of Mitrio. So uh, which I, I'm still I'm still there. So I decided to to move to to Metrio. So I, I left the AI field and came to a company that that is doing uh, ESG work. So uh, what is ESG? Is uh, environment, social, and governance. You know, more okay. and more uh, country uh, they want you to produce at the end of the year the a financial uh, report, but they also wants to have like an ESG report as well. So how many uh, water uh, per person your company is. Uh, Okay, is using that can you know they, they, how many uh, uh, carbon the company is producing all kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, so so when I have joined Metrio, they they have uh, they have a monolith that they wrote like uh, I think it was back in two thousand twelve. So it was a, it's a Ruby on Rail monolith. Mm-hmm. So the challenge was pretty high. So actually, I needed to. Uh, it was pre no, it wasn't a, a, a software company. So I, I needed to. Uh, to do the architect redo the architecture of the of the monolith and hire like uh, like many people we're, we're, i have 31 people working with me now mm-hmm. is java again no there's no java there so actually we are only use uh we still have the ruby and mm-hmm. uh we're using golang a lot for all our Kubernetes. Interesting that you choose golang and not rust. Right we we, we did explore rust as well. Uh, but it was easier for me to find uh, Golang resources in Montreal than Rust. Because I knew somebody, I tried to hire somebody who was like uh, really, really good in Rust, but he got hired like uh, mm-hmm. for, by 
you know, crowd crowd strike. So I didn't have any chance to to. Uh, okay. It was really really yeah. And why not Java? So actually, uh, people for the the kind of stuff that we were uh, that we are doing, we wanted it. It's all about you know Kubernetes and oh, uh, okay. Java is making progress right now in terms of you know call start startup and stuff like that. But uh, you know when you write in Go, it's it's definitively faster. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was easy to be transparent. It was easy for me to hire people that you know work in Go, that work in, in Java, because there's a lot of Java opportunity in Montreal. Go, it's it's starting right now. So a lot of Go lover when when and and also working with uh, the ESG field. You know, yeah, you have the mission of the company. So that that that's a, that is a pretty good mix to bring mm-hmm. people in the company mm-hmm. and good good talented people. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what's interesting is I do a lot of work right now, actually also migrating Monolith, but uh, but the interesting is to where. So the interesting point is we are migrating mostly from, let's say, Glassfish, Whitefield, whatever, to, let's say, or no, let's say, to AWS Lambda or Asia. And the interesting part is you can have a monolithic Lambda with lots of classes, and it starts actually really fast. So uh, the cold start is... I mean, really fast, yeah, right? So in current project, maybe three seconds, but this is a huge one. Usually one and a half second, but it's the cold start. But uh, if it's uh, warm, you get response times 30 milliseconds, which is perfect. I would say good enough. And um, the interesting part is, if you call it often enough because of Java optimizations, it is actually going to be faster than most of the scripting languages. So um, so I'm still doing Java and doing actually serverless Java all the time. And uh, people like it because it's easy. It is easier to set up than Kubernetes. You know, every development developer can have an own environment, which costs you nothing. Uh, usually you have to pay for the control plane of Kubernetes. Mm-hmm. And Kubernetes is, you know, with all the YAMLs and Helm charts, is uh, rem- really reminds me on uh, the deployment descriptors <laughs> back then with XML. So if I see Kubernetes, I really have to say, okay, this is like, you know, uh, Java E was in 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 two thousand. Um, this is uh, um, um, yeah interesting. That uh, and um, are you allowed to code or are you just you know spending time with architectures right now? I do I do like uh, I do pull request review, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't code. I don't code a lot. Actually, the my, the coding is the side I'm doing is mostly still on on atmosphere. So that's the part where I'm still learning about what's new in Java and all that stuff. Because for example, I got a pull request last last week about uh, about some about adding some functionality to so in order to run atmosphere with spring boot tree mm-hmm. on uh, on graal vm mm-hmm. so uh and you have I, I i need to do like ahead of time uh mm-hmm. uh injection you know all that stuff so this is fairly new for me so i haven't followed what what was the graal vm or the native image was uh so that's the fun part right now so since last week i'm reading about it and I ha- I'm gonna have to have that feature uh, for Atmosphere because people wants to natively compile it. Have you heard about Quarkus? Yes. So this yes. is what I spend uh, all my time actually, and this is uh, what Quarkus has the optimization built in. So this would be also interesting fit because you know lots of Glassfish project are Quarkus project right now. Okay. So yeah. That's interesting. And also interesting project maybe for you is the uh, the uh, Helidon project. And what they have, they support for, uh, I think the project is called Nima. And what it is, it is built in Project Loom. You heard about Project Loom, right? So yes. you can you can run on, on, on lots of threads at the same time, which could be also interesting for Atmosphere, actually. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. But uh, yeah, Elidon is, is by Oracle, right? Yeah, I think yeah. It's, my ex-colleague, some of them are, are, are working yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you have a lot of experience of AI. So, uh, so uh, I, I just op- observing AI, and what I see right now, most of the AI, which is called AI for me as a as a developer, is more more or less a statistical trick, right? So it is not a lot of AI, more like you know really smart up, um, statistic applied. You know, this is what what for me how how it looks like. Is it somehow true, or or is it like no uh, wrong observation from my side? Uh, it really depends on the field that that you work mm-hmm. on. So, where where do you see see that right now? Uh, let's say stable diffusion, for instance, right? Uh-huh. Where they are mixing the pictures. So, uh, I would say this is uh, they, they, 
how this may work that you know that they uh, scanned lots of uh, images in the internet and they learned about the elements you know the small yes. pieces of images and abstracting and then they are combining already existing pieces to a new pieces um this for instance then um of course if you have text recognition or whatever is also kind of you know brute force learning i would say right so this is not yeah, like yeah. this is not okay. like something uh, is thinking or intelligence is more like uh more or less you know billions of if else statements for me right, right. <laughs> so this is what what if i hear about ai is like i already see okay uh, this this model is like you know millions of if else so or billions of if else statements so this is what yeah no you're right you're right i think that that's that's the most popular most popular use of, of ai but one of the things that i've learned is uh you know you know companies are interested about ai but you have to explain uh what's the model is doing so how exactly. come you came with that answer and that's a, a field by itself it's called explainability mm -hmm. and that field there you know there they there still have a lot of research to do before uh before that because i've seen a lot of uh, of models and people are really proud of their model but as soon as you ask okay but explain to me <laughs> what is doing <laughs> yeah well how, well, how, how so and ma mathematically explain to me what the model is doing and what did it do to become to come with that kind of uh, of answer and this is where uh, it becomes like more complex too yeah with mm -hmm. pattern recognition or object recognition it's easier and i mm -hmm. guess they are making progress but uh like all the sentiment analysis field as well uh, uh is is something like it works but you have to trust a lot the system mm -hmm. Yeah. Did it became boring for you, AI? No, it wasn't boring at all. It's just that uh, the opportunity to be to work at Metrio was uh, was more interesting. The, everything ha has to be done, so that mm -hmm. was what. Uh, and uh, I had the chance to work only in French, so that was another uh, ah, okay. thing that I wanted to do. Okay. So, uh, so yeah. Another funny uh, because ESG is somehow related. So. Um, I was uh, in a meeting uh, with you know serverless and lambdas and stuff like that, and uh, a colleague you know explained the technical architecture, and I said okay I, I will I will try something we'll see what happens and I didn't actually mention technology at all and I said okay uh, you know our our system is sustainable and is CO two two neutral, and this did the biggest impact on the management you know so whatever they said scalability no one cared so I go this is great because we need it and and I said, okay I wouldn't suspect such a such a reaction so it seems like you know the uh, energy efficiency sustainability CO2 um, has at least right now a big impact at management level I think developers still are not aware of something like this going on and um, if you have serverless or it's not everything is serverless has to be green but you know uh, with something starts and stops on demand this is what i mean um may maybe event driven um it becomes interesting also from marketing perspective because you can say okay if uh pay pay per use or if you not use it it, it does not run right so right. uh it's right. interesting mm -hmm. right and and that's you know th that field is becoming extremely uh extremely popular because I would say that this year, what I did because we did uh, we got acquired actually because so we saw the you know our small startup becoming uh, more and more popular. So I do a lot of due diligence with uh, with potential buyer this year, and uh, we got acquired by by the Nasdaq. Wow! So, uh, Congratulations! Yeah, so, uh, thanks. So uh, so you so are we, working on Nasdaq right now. Exactly. Yeah. Officially January first, but okay. uh, since June. Uh, the acquisition was was done in June, so uh, so and they are pushing hard on uh, on ESG reporting at Nasdaq because they they see, they see it coming. You know, everybody will have to report mm -hmm. on sustainability. So uh, so let's say what I can buy from Metrio, so from your startup. So how, how which services are you actually providing or products or whatever? What is it? Yeah. So uh, I, I can use that. We have like uh, several uh, public websites that you can see what we're doing, but mostly is we're helping you uh, collect the granular, the granular data that you own. Let's say uh, your CO2, uh, your, uh, or yeah, so, 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 some, 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 uh, some uh, company you might know, Decathlon is using Metrio okay. as mm -hmm. well. So to report uh, their, uh, their, substan their sustainability number. So 
we help them. So we have like a collection tool. So we help them to collect the information. We help them. We have a tool uh, that uh, that to how to write the computation because you know we have all your data. You have to see it's an ETL tool. Let's say it's it's <laughs> it's pretty close to that. And then we have a reporting tool where you can publish your your result. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you go to decathlon.metrio.net, you will see an example of, uh, mm-hmm. and that's 100% done by uh, our platform. So it's all, even if I would have my own data center, I could say, okay, as uh, this server which consumes this energy, something like this, or more high level. Or... Yeah, yeah, it's more high level as well as uh, your uh, your energy cons- consumption in terms of light, in terms of water, and you know, ESG is really large. You know, some company they are going to report on that, and also how many women and men, the percentage, you know, the percentage of men versus women working in the company. That's that's cover a lot of uh, of uh, of topic. The, the ESG field, so you can do all of that with with uh, with our tool. So specifically with your server, so we you could so we have like some kind of an API where you can send your data to that API, and after that you decide what you what you want to report on. And, and did I get a certification or whatever? A a you know a, a or just so a report? There is, mm-hmm. Yeah, so there is no uh, that's interesting because there, there there is no standard yet. Mm-hmm. to uh, to report but people are uh, are working on it so you have like uh, like uh, like how do you say what the gri so it's an example so they have, you have some norm outside that, that mm-hmm. are available but you have many of them so uh, so so nasdaq has a tool called one report that hello you that does similar stuff that Mitrio is doing and it, it allow you to to report your data using those frameworks actually they call it frameworks mm-hmm. but there is no standard in terms of framework so you can so so you know it's not like on in the in the fin- in the financial field where you have to report exactly on on okay. some, some access so this is not the case yet in in, in ESG but they are uh, the American are working hard to have a law for that and they're working on some standard. Mm-hmm. Last question: Do you miss coding? I mean, coding yes, I for atmos- Yeah, okay. Very. Th- th- I was really curious because you know, um, this was always my goal: never stop coding. And I'm a freelancer, so I can just keep 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 it doing. But you are pretty technical, and now you are CTO. So um, an architect is a little f- farther away, I would say. And with the go, uh, and okay, then second question: So, um, how? Well, you understood Go. So you are a Java expert, I would say, after all these years. How good you became, or how fast can a Java uh, programmer learn Go and be as good in Go as in Java? Uh, yeah, first, I needed to like read books and, you know, I had to play to do hands-on on mm-hmm. it. So what, I'm, what I was trying to do is, because this is the field that I like, so I tried to rebuild atmosphere using Go. So I learned <laughs> okay. about it. Because the concept is different, but I really like Go. I have to say that mm-hmm. I really like Go. So I didn't, I didn't like Ruby at all. It's okay. like I have to, I have to work with my team. But I, I don't like Ruby. I don't like the concept. I don't like the language. So Go, I like it. So, uh, so yeah. So I, I needed to do like, and I, I did like some online course as well, just to refresh my mind mm-hmm. on, uh, and, uh, and it's, it's. I need to, I need to understand what my team is doing, so I'm not as good as them, but I'm able to at least do a pull request. So okay. Let, let, yeah. So we, 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 I'm pretty sure I would be able to write some module, you know, from scratch. But mm-hmm. first, my boss will not let me do that. But uh, second, I think you know the velocity will not be high at the beginning because it's mm-hmm. easy to review the code and the architecture that somebody did. But doing by myself, you know, I, I still have a learning curve. Okay. So then very last question. Are you missing Java then? Yes, I do. No, I do. So if I could spend the, I think that was a dream project atmosphere because at one point in time, I was living from that project only. Mm-hmm. So I was doing like freelance like you, but mm-hmm. just doing like consultation on atmosphere, like mm-hmm. for almost three years. And I had a lot of fun because I was, Growing my open source framework mm-hmm. and selling services, so th- that was the dream job, actually. Mm-hmm. So uh, yes, if I could redo that, uh, I will. I will. So sure. uh, for fun, you could uh, 
port it to Quarkus and have indirect fun. I don't know whether you can earn any money with it, but uh, it will become really popular because Quarkus becomes more and more popular. Mm -hmm. and, uh, with Helidon as well, would be a fun. So it yeah. was really fun, you know, to meet you personally. So this is actually interesting. Um, my podcast is like a misuse of my guests, you know, to have a nice chat because there was never time to meet someone at the conferences. So I was busy, like, but this was actually nice. And I still have your T-shirts, what I got you from conference after all these years. I think it was 2008 or nine or something, the conference, right? It has to be. 2005. Where... They, 2005. They yes, I suspect. That was the first talk I did on Grizzly. So we were three on stage. So mm -hmm. This was on a late talk, I remember. It was yes, uh, late exactly. at night. Yeah, this was. Uh, uh, and I needed you know, the knowledge for my project. So uh, highly appreciate it. So where people can find you, your company and whatever, references, async.io, we heard already, right? So if yeah. you, someone would like to hire you, you know, for, for billions, or you <laughs> maybe someone could, you know, fix Twitter with async.io, right? So exactly. uh, if, if exactly. Elon Musk is listening, he could hire, you know, async.io and uh, to clean up the technology at Twitter, maybe. Yeah, because at one point in time, I was building uh, like a Twitter-like application with Atmosphere, right? but it is it has been a while, like 10 years ago. One of the simple was Twitter-like. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yes, okay. for sure. Yeah. So what are the references? So what's your uh, Twitter uh, handle? So it's uh, JF Arkin. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's my Twitter. And that that's mostly it. So I'm on GitHub, same thing, JF Arkin mm -hmm. uh, as well. But I'm not really on uh, that, that. That's mostly where I am yeah. right now. GitHub, yeah, this is the same here. I'm not on Facebook and nowhere else. Okay. Yeah, same here. Thank you. And Metrio, you said, right? This is your yeah. current company. And Nasdaq, of course. So it's a little bit larger, but um, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> was fun. Thank you. Uh, it was really nice to meet you. Yeah, same thing for me.